Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us. Hour number two underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Alongside Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, and uh, we are we're ready to go. Previewing tonight's matchup, Packers-Cardinals, and uh, that game being played in Arizona. Packers hit with COVID this week. They're down some coaches. They're down Devontae Adams. And we're going to give you a full preview of how Green Bay can actually win this game. Armando Salguero is covering the game for Outkick. He'll join us in about 20 minutes. Right now, we welcome in former Packers guard, UCF Hall of Famer, Josh Sitton, joins us on the program. Josh, great to have you on the show, man. What's up, guys? Thank you guys for having me. A- absolutely. Appreciate the invite. Oh, sweet background, by nice. the way. Where are you joining us from right now? I'm in my man cave, the the man cave that I don't ever come in. So I figure I would uh, <laughs> that I would come in here for it. I I, I just had my third kid, so um, the playroom gets used a hell of a lot more than the man cave. So oh, congratulations. Um, uh, so I'm seeing behind you, uh, Josh has for those listening on on radio, he has uh, jerseys of former teammates. He also has his his full jersey on display with pants. Did you swap jerseys with uh, with opponents after games? Did you ever do that? Or behind you, is it just former teammates of yours? Um. So I've got. I'll show you the. Yeah. Show us around. I've got. I've got the the Green Bay wall. Um, and then I've got guys that I played against. Oh, that's all. That's that is that's a uh, long. That's wall. legit. That is legit. Yeah. Um, and he's got all the offensive linemen stacked together. He's got uh, Jordy Nelson, uh, Greg Jennings, Rogers. You uh, you joined the Packers when Rogers finally took over as the starter, right? That first year. Yeah, I did. And that was a um, that was a crazy experience. You know, it was my only, obviously, my only experience going in um, to the NFL as a as a rookie was kind of seeing that scene. But it was wild. I, you know, there would be five, six, ten thousand people at training camp, um, and half of them would be cheering against Aaron, and half of, <laughs> half of them would be cheering for Aaron, and one, you know, all of them would be screaming for Brett Favre to come back. And yeah, it was a wild, it was a wild intro to the NFL. Um, but Aaron, he quickly uh, silenced everybody, and everybody was like, eh, "All right, I think we're okay." Yeah, no, no, no doubters anymore. How, how bizarre was it to follow the 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 rumors and speculation this off season on, on him wanting out and then him coming back? And you know, he was hosting Jeopardy. Uh, all you've known in Green Bay was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so, could you imagine Rodgers not actually being there this year? Well, one thing I've learned about this league is um, it doesn't matter who you are. You've got you've got to end in sight at some point, and Aaron knows that, and um, he knows that that's you know his career is coming to an end. And um, but it was it was very fun to watch as, as a fan and just you know totally listen to all the speculation. You know, for all the years I was kind of in the middle of it or whatever. Um, 
So it was really fun just as a fan to just be a fan of football and to just listen to it and listen to everybody's perspectives and to be completely wrong guessing and, <laughs> um, like most everybody all the time. So it was really cool to, to watch it um, from from this seat. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. So that offensive line was a, a big question mark coming into the year uh, and waiting on David Bakhtiari, who might be back next week um, off PUP. How do you think it's done patching things together? Obviously, well enough to be six and one. But um, what's what's been the key to the success and uh, and and how have they done it? Well, they've done a really good job for the guys that they've had step in and you can't beat getting this playing experience and being six and one right now with kind of throwing these guys together and not having David um, and mixing those guys in. Um, so that, that all those playing experience that these younger guys are getting, you know, Lucas Patrick moving around from guard to center and uh, Elton playing left tackle and left guard and doing everything he's done, you know, that will be invaluable come, you know, December and January. So, to come out of this and hopefully get David back soon and to solidify that left side, uh, to come out of this little stretch, you know, whether they're, you know, six and two or seven and one or whatever it is, it's going to be a very good record and they're going to be very happy with it. It's invaluable to get that experience for those younger guys. And that, that, uh, that line has stepped up. And it's funny, man. I look, I, I was watching the first few games. And I'm like, damn, I don't know any of these guys on this line right now. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's funny to watch, um, you know, and I'm been out what four or five years thing now from Green Bay five years now. So I really don't, I, I know Lucas Patrick, that's the only guy that is playing right now that I know. So, uh, but they've done a hell of a job, man. It's been fun to watch. Josh Sitton, our guest here on Outkick 360, nothing against Jordan Love, but Josh, I brought up earlier this week with the NFL trade deadline coming up. If Green Bay wants to send a message that Rogers is their guy moving forward, a trade with love would be really intriguing, especially as they go into November and, and make a playoff run, potential Super Bowl run. Uh, if they want Rodgers back, that would certainly send a message. You agree? Absolutely, man. I, I think that's a great take. And I think Aaron has proved that he's going to play if he wants to, that he can play for four or five more years in this league. I think he's changed the way he's played. Uh, he's, he's not quite as reliant on um, the unscripted plays and he's, he gets the ball out on time more. Um, things are in more of a rhythm now. Um, and he's always had that in him, but he's always been so damn good with the unscripted that he's just gone to that. That's just been his natural, uh, natural way of doing things. So he, he's proved that he can slightly change what he's doing in the latter years of his career to, to prolong his career. And I think he could play, I don't know, what is he, 37 now? Yep. You know, he could play easily until 40, um, you know, past 40 probably, I think. So, um, you know, if if uh, if they want to send that message, that'd be a hell of a hell of a way to do it. I mean, you got two more years on the guy or three more years so it, on the contract with Love. So it's going to be one of those things where they're – it's something that they talk about often, I bet. <laughs> Not many people would have picked uh, the Cardinals to be the last undefeated team in the league. For, for Green Bay to get a win out west tonight, what's maybe the one biggest thing that has to happen in your eyes? Well, I think they need to stay on script, and they've got to be successful running the ball. I think that's probably um, 
think it's probably the one thing that they've been more successful with than really any of my time there is being able to run the ball with this LaFour group um, and their scheme. And it's been really fun to watch. It's been fun to watch Aaron let the other guys in the offensive line and the running backs take the load and run the ball. And they've got to be able to do that. And Arizona has given up um, – giving up a bit on the, on the, on the rush. I think they're giving up five yards of carry or something. So um, they got to be successful running the ball. And then, I mean, we know Aaron's going to be lights out. He normally is, um, you know, when everything uh, doesn't look great, Aaron's going to end up pulling something out of his hat. So um, we know that's going to come. So uh, like to see uh, Dylan and um, Jamal, what's his dang name? Jones. Sorry, I forgot his name. Jones. Jones. Yeah. We'd like to see them. Get over 150 yards tonight. I think that'll be the key to their success. Josh, sitting with us, what's the best gift Aaron Rodgers ever gave his offensive line after a season? The year after I left, he got him a, a friggin' uh, like a four wheeler thing, uh, a side by side. I was pissed. I was like, you could have done that a year ago. I was texting all my guys like, what the hell? <laughs> what was the best before that? Um, he did a lot of good stuff, man. He would. Uh, he would get up in front of the entire offense and play games for at Christmas time and, and let everybody open gifts. Uh, we got TVs and uh, all sorts of fun stuff. I don't remember exactly the the best thing, but I, I remember early on in my career, he got a Well, you know what? He got us a watch, but I think that was after the Super Bowl, which is a really, really nice watch. My wife makes fun of me still because I've only worn it like once or twice. I'm just not a watch guy. Um, but it's, it, you know, it's locked up in the safe. It's one of my uh, – one of my high priority things that's uh, really really means a lot to me. What do you make of uh, as a former lineman? What do you make of what Derrick Henry's doing in the backfield across the league week to week? It's incredible. Um, I was actually watching ESPN or NFL Network earlier today, and they were talking about if it was if it's harder to do what he's doing now, or you know, forty years ago when all you did was run the ball. You know, they were talking about Tim Brown. Um, or Jim Brown, sorry. And um, it, to do it now, I think it's just, I mean, nobody does this. Nobody does. There's no, you know, who's the other bell cow in the league that just carries the ball, you know, 25, 30 times a it's game? It's not even not close. Yeah. It. And it's just to take that beating. I mean, forget about all the yards and everything he's getting, but to just take that beating that he does um, and to be able to withstand it, he's, he's got more carries than, Everybody in the league by like seventy something carries. <laughs> that's that's crazy <laughs> this year. Um, he has three more games of carries than everybody else. So <laughs> it's incredible. He's uh, he's one of those guys that I didn't I didn't see him being the guy that he is um, earlier in his career. I don't think he ran quite as hard as he does now. And he's he's so damn fun to watch. And God, I would love to have blocked for a guy like that, for sure. Some of these fans in Cleveland are completely missing the point. They, they've been tweeting out, extrapolating, if Nick Chubb had the carries that Derrick Henry has, here's how many yards he would have, and he'd already be over 1,000. Completely missing the point that Nick Chubb would be in the hospital <laughs> because he's already not playing complete games and, and sitting out games. So they're like... Well, yeah, it's just a matter of how many carries Derrick Henry's getting, as if their back, who's a split-time back, could do the same thing. It, it's really wild, the people who want to punch holes in Derrick Henry. Exactly. I love it. My my running back in college was Kevin Smith, and he set the record for carries, over 400 carries in a season or something. And people don't really 
take into consideration the amount of carries and the amount. I mean, a running back gets hit every single time they carry the ball. I mean, a couple touchdowns, they don't get touched, but it's uh, they take a, a really bad beating. That's why the the shelf life for the running backs is so low. So that's why it's so damn impressive what he's doing. Hopefully, he can do it for you know five or six more years. Uh, Rogers coming off the MVP season, Josh, and uh, you, you mentioned the Super Bowl run that you guys had. You look back on that era of your career and think, man, we should have won more than what we did. Because that, that was a lot of talk this offseason, uh, that, that there was a lot of additions on defense and no influx of uh, movement in the offseason or in the draft, for that matter, uh, for, for the offense in, in Green Bay. Do you look back and think about what if, or do you just enjoy the one? No, I definitely look back and think, what if? Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to win the Super Bowl in my third year. So I was like, oh, this is easy. We're going to do this all the time. Um, and then we ended up going 15-1 and one the next year and they got beat in the first round by the Giants. But you think you're going to do it over and over. It's so hard to do. Um, but I definitely think about – I really think about that 2014 team. That was probably, That was the best team that I was ever part of. That was the most talented, most de- the deepest team that I was ever part of. Um, and we just didn't get it done in Seattle. But, I mean, I think about a, one play specifically for me that I didn't do my job correctly. I think about it all the time. I wake mm-hmm. up sometimes having nightmares about it. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think about it. We we should have uh, won two or three, I would think, with the amount of talent that we had and with the amount of uh, great leaders that we had. Final thing for you, the 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 Hard. NFC is uh is is really top heavy. Uh, where does Green Bay stack up according to Josh Sitton with Arizona, with Tampa Bay, with the Rams? Where do you stack them with the Cowboys? Can I answer that tonight? About yeah, I mean absolutely. <laughs> I think I think tonight goes a long way in that answer. Yeah, I mean for sure. Um, like I said earlier, I think Aaron he, he's he's got something different about him, so he's going to show up in this big game. Um, with with some of these injuries, and he's going to show out, and um, we'll see tonight where 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 they stack up, and it's a, I mean it's a big challenge for Arizona too, um, but it's crazy. I, I can't think of I can't think of a team in the AFC right now that that could beat these group of five teams in the NFC. It's, I'm with you. It's wild We've to see how top heavy the NFC is, and I've always enjoyed watching the NFC, so I love to see all the uh, talent and all the great teams in the NFC. But I mean, I think, I think the Packers are probably right there behind uh, Tampa and, and we'll see about Arizona, but I mean, they're in that top three conversation, I would think. And obviously the way Aaron does things and the way the Packers do things, they usually get better towards the end of the season. So I, I would see them in that conversation for the NFC championship for sure. Do you still keep up with your your high school teammate Roman Reigns nowadays? Yeah, we do. I talk to him um, probably a couple times a year. He was he was a teammate of mine for um, two seasons in high school, and then he went on to a different high school. But we talk, I don't know, probably a couple times a year. Get us some backstage passes whenever SummerSlam's here in Nashville next year, if you don't mind. Uh, we'll- he, he, I can. He he got me. Uh, he hooked me up in Green Bay one year. I took a handful of the guys, and uh, we had a blast. It was cool. Josh Sitton has been our guest. Great visit, man. Great to catch up, and uh, we we will continue to be extremely jealous of the setup in the man cave that you have there. It's excellent. <laughs> Enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, former uh, guard there 
a four-time Pro Bowler for the Packers. Josh Sitton has been our guest. Yeah, great visit there. Coming up, uh, another guy who brings the energy, Armando Salguero. I am off to um, help with an unveiling of a a hospital here in Nashville that's opening up a new wing, and they're raising the the final beam, Paul. When I think final beams and hospitals, I think Jonathan Hutton. Well, I think, you know, final beam at the hospital. Later in today's show, you'll see the sunbeam hit Paul uh, if you're watching on, on YouTube. Or maybe our guest. I didn't or, think of that. Or maybe uh, Blake Beddingfield. Blake Beddingfield's coming in for the final hour. Uh, 19 seasons with the Tennessee Titans in a variety of roles. But just know he was the scout, the college scout for the Titans. Looking forward to that. Armando is next to preview Thursday Night Football. He's live in Arizona He'll be covering that game for OutKick. Armando Salguero next on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 back with you from 6th and Peabody, the broadcast studio here. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine. Great double combination for you here. Armando Salguero our friend who covers the NFL for OutKick, uh, is in Arizona for tonight's big Cardinals-Packers game in the luxurious hotel suite, no doubt. Armando, how you doing, buddy? Oh, no. This is like the most luxurious Fairfield Inn ever. Look at the painting behind you. It looks like clouds and... Uh, I can't tell what exactly, but it it makes me feel like you'll sleep. It's a building, Paul. You'll sleep well tonight. A building, a lamp. You've got a building and a lamp. What more do you need? Um, What What's your feeling going into this game? Uh, We were talking earlier. The star power is not exactly what you would want, but uh, still an incredibly compelling game. Undefeated uh, on one side, one loss on the Packers side, um, and two of the four or five best teams in the league for sure. Right. No, for sure. Um, you know, I really would prefer that both teams were at full strength. Um, but for the Packers, there's not going to be, you know, David Bakhtiari is still on PUP. Uh, Alan Lazard is not going to play. Devonte Adams obviously is still on the COVID list. So, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, aside from the fact that he doesn't have his blindside protector and his top two receivers, he's fine. Everything's going to be all right for Aaron Rodgers. And then on the Cardinals side, you have J.J. Watt, which is obviously, who is obviously one of the biggest stars in the NFL. He's probably out for the rest of the season with uh, a significant shoulder injury. And DeAndre Hopkins is a... uh, active inactive decision 90 minutes before the game do you second guess them on the watt signing a little bit i mean that's what everybody said when watt was on the market well you know he'd be a nice guy to have if you get a full season or close to a full season out of him the trouble is he hasn't put together many full seasons uh lately and and sure enough doesn't just tear up the shoulder sounds like bicep tricep dislocation shoulder tear uh, the whole whole nine yards Well, you know, before the season began and he had already signed with the Cardinals, J.J. Watt was talking about how he's not going to approach this season like he's approached the last couple of seasons in that it's not about trying to make it to the end of the season. He was just going to go all out 
and let the chips fall where they may and, you know, see if he could last the entire season. Obviously, the chips have fallen and he can't last the entire season. And this is not the first time, as you know. Um, so you start to get the feeling that while the signing was a good signing for culture, for leadership, for a while, it obviously is not going to, you know, bear fruit as far as uh, giving them a, a guy that's going to be a contributor to the end of the season. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. We'll get the verdict on him tonight, an hour and a half before kickoff. He's dealing with a hamstring injury, and they'll work him out before the game. He's a soft tissue injury. There are soft tissue injuries in higher numbers than there have been at least in the last five years, according to Dr. Alan Sills, who spoke at the owners' meetings, the, the NFL's chief medical guy. So coaches say these are happening because <clears throat> the lesser practice schedule during the offseason. Players are never going to say, yes, we'll give you back some of this offseason practice. And round and round, we will go with this. So there's no real answer. What's your, what's your take on this kind of vicious cycle that has us looking at these injury reports that say hamstring, 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 groin, calf, hamstring? Well, um, I guess Deshaun Watson had it right. Get a lot of masseuses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, look, a lot of this, I think, is nutrition, sleep, um, you know, and obviously recovery. It's weird that the NFL is keeping track on these injuries when the NFL is putting more games on the table for everyone than just about, you know, they ever have. These Thursday games, I'm sure that if, you know, DeAndre Hopkins had until Sunday to to be ready or not, if he's a just a, a 90 minutes before the game, if he's a game day decision on Thursday, very likely he'd play on a Sunday you're looking at a guy who's never missed a game in his NFL career in which he hasn't been rested. The only two games he's ever missed were because the team and he decided, we don't need you today. We're good. We're going to sit you so that you can uh, compete and play for us in the playoffs. So I get it. Look, uh, the injuries are, are rough and it hurts the ratings and it hurts the, the whole um, star power of games. But I, I mean, personally, I don't have an answer for uh, a way to get past it other than, you know, give them less games. And I don't think that's going to be the answer that anybody picks. The Chiefs will get some good medicine probably on Monday night uh, going against the Giants. They were absolutely punchless here on, on Sunday against the Titans. Uh, three points, worst output uh, of the Andy Reid era, uh, dating before the Andy Reid era. People are, are saying the, the league has figured them out. I, I don't know if that's the thing, but they would you agree that they they've done a poor job armando with that superstar core of building around it because if you can find a way 
to cover Hill and Kelsey, not super long, just for a little while. You send Mahomes now into the territory where he looks for the magic early instead of letting the magic be the thing that might happen if the play doesn't work. Yeah, you mentioned that the league has figured them out. I think they have failed to figure themselves out. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when the entire league decides, well, you're not going to beat us with the the chunk dynamic plays that we've seen for the last three or four years, you're not going to do that to us anymore. You're either going to be patient and we're going to play two high safeties and not let you get deep on us. It's up to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's up to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy to say, well, then we're going to cut you up with a thousand little knife cuts instead of one big thrust to the heart. It's about having to have um, an answer to their answer. And the Chiefs have decided that they're not going to be patient. I don't know how patient Patrick Mahomes wants to be, frankly. Uh, and that's and they don't have a running game so those are you know those are some significant problems and their defense is not such that they can win on defense so they find themselves trailing they don't have a running game to hold the ball they don't have a lot of patience on offense that's not a great recipe for success paul not at all uh blowouts are up 21 games have been decided by 21 points or more that's the second most through seven weeks since the merger. There were six of them this last week. I think the league's being saved, Armando, because they've really been fortunate with the games that have been on in prime time. Uh, Even the dud teams have participated in mostly close games. And, uh, And these blowouts haven't been widely featured on TV for a change. Um so people aren't harping on, on the blowouts and complaining about them like they might typically if they were on Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. Well, you, you know that for years, the NFL was about we're a final possession of the game type of league, uh, a field goal difference in, in games type of league. And so I'm not all that, you know, a flutter about blowouts being up. Look, college football has blowouts. Uh, Every single conference has a ton of blowouts. Um, And nobody seems to mind. And the college football is quite healthy despite that. I don't think the NFL is, is all that worried about that. And like I said, I get a flutter sometimes, but not this time. I'm not a flutter, Paul. I am a flutter. I am a, a hater of blowouts. That's why I'm not a giant college football guy. Far too many blowouts. Uh, I think the NFL has been very fortunate with these blowouts. Speaking of blowouts, it sounds like there was a blowout meeting at the owners' meetings where Stan Kroenke <laughs> revealed that, you know, when that time that I said I'll cover all of the trouble with getting out of St. Louis, well, it seems like it's going to be a little bit more expensive than I thought, guys. Uh I might actually come back to you and, and give you uh, 132nd of the tab on that. Sounds like it could get pretty ugly amongst ownership if Kroenke, in fact, doesn't just pay whatever it's going to cost for the league to get out of this lawsuit or settle it. 
Um, you suspect there's going to be a lot of wrangling there. Jerry Jones certainly went to bat for Kroenke on the whole L.A. deal. He and Kroenke talked everybody out of the favored plan there. And, uh, and St. Louis seems to have a pretty good case here where the settlement is going to be probably a start with a B, not with an M. I wouldn't be – by the way, that was very good reporting by Seth Wickersham. Yeah, really good. Uh, at, at ESPN to basically take people inside that meeting. So good job by him. Many props to him. Is, is there any possibility, you think, that a settlement comes into play where St. Louis gets a team back? I did Not read something that said that said an expansion team could be on the table, which would be a hell of a job by St. Louis. Well, I mean, that's the reason that Cleveland got a team, isn't it? I mean, they sued when they lost the Browns to Baltimore, and um, it, it, it got them a team. And St. Louis, why not? Is St. Louis such a city that – it doesn't deserve an NFL team. Uh, to me, look, St. Louis, San Diego, why does Los Angeles have one of those teams that it doesn't want, the Chargers, but San Diego doesn't have a team? Well, other than the fact that they don't want to build the stadium and ownership doesn't want to pay for it. Uh, so there's that. But those are cities that, in my estimation, the St. Louis Cardinals – that's supposed to be a legacy NFL team, and yet they don't have a team. Uh, you don't want to pay a billion dollars or one, what is it, one-fourteenth of your yearly uh, annual profit margin, NFL? Give them a team in three or four years. thing to me is it's so neatly packaged right now with the eight divisions of four um you'd have to have another team come in i would think so that everybody's got an opponent every week where's the second team go and then what do you do with the divisional alignment maybe that's me being a little ocd which i'm not at all but i want to look at the standings and see it neatly packaged you don't have a issue with that as long as the money's flowing in if you're an owner i guess no uh, i i get what you're saying and it makes a lot more sense to have you know 30, 32, 28, when I started to cover the NFL. Um, I did mention another city, didn't I? San, yes. San Diego. So I guess it's, I look, selfishly, I want to be able to take trips back to San Diego because that place <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, it is. So there's that. Um, the Mark Ingram trade did not go over well with uh, Brandon Cooks, who tweeted, uh, this is BS, except he used the full word, such a joke. How quickly will he be traded? Well, he is like the poster child for good players being traded, and I would imagine that he is also on the trade block, and I would imagine that that's going to happen. And you know what? Uh, the New England Patriots made very good use of Brandon Cooks once upon a time, and they still have uh, designs on being a wild card team and all of their work to improve their receiver core this offseason really didn't, you know, Nelson Aguilar, okay, but not it. Uh, what it does say is that the Houston Texans, which are something of a 
of a disaster of a franchise right now. They are definitely in sell mode and they are definitely, um, you know, looking towards if this was happening at the beginning of the season, we'd be using words like tank um, in 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 description of the Houston Texans. I think they should trade 16 guys and promote all 16 of their practice squad guys in the closest thing we've ever seen to kind of like a minor league takeover. I think it'd just be a fun side storyline for the bottom of the league. Nick Sirianni, um, if I'm not mistaken, he did it with uh, potential draft picks. They played rock, paper, scissors, and he got a lot of attention for that. Now his motivational tactic with the Eagles is to tell them how they're like uh, a flower. This is his big motivational thing. They're fertilizing the flower, waiting for the growth of the flower, and everything's going to be just right when the flower pops out of the soil. Um, does this strike you as Lombardi-esque in terms of getting a team ready and uh, and fired up for when, when it's time comes? I'm waiting for him to use photosynthesis to, uh, you know, try to motivate his guys and, and germination and things like that. He is coaching a team in the same state with Mike Tomlin. Yeah, think about, <laughs> think about the contrast there and think about if you're an NFL owner, if you're an NFL GM, if you're anyone with a mind, which one, which approach you would prefer? The guy that basically just blew up a press conference because someone had the nerve to ask him if he was indeed interested in the USC coaching job and went off on this fabulous rant that I think will be among the all-time rants uh, pretty soon, or the guy who is using flowers and analogies of flowers to try to get his players to understand what the process is. I'm pretty sure that Nick Sirianni, a rookie head coach, if he hasn't had a talking to by his higher-ups, something's wrong. Yeah, state is definitely slanting west on that one. Trade deadlines Tuesday. I would be remiss if I did not ask you uh, for your feelings and uh, and the latest on Deshaun Watson and the Miami Dolphins. I'm so sick of Deshaun Watson's story. Um, I don't think I don't think he's going to get traded, and the reason I don't think so is both both of those teams are kind of. Uh, dug in. The Houston Texans want three first-round picks, three second-round picks. The Miami Dolphins have not so far offered this, but also want certainty about Deshaun Watson's legal future, which I see no way that that can happen between now and November 2nd. That It's not like Deshaun Watson is suddenly going to make 22 civil lawsuits go away and 10 criminal complaints. That I, I just don't see that happening. So either one of those two teams cave or Deshaun Watson stays with the Houston Texans. 
past the trade deadline. It makes sense for actually for both of them to keep status quo. The Dolphins are one and six. They're going to be one and seven after Sunday's game against Buffalo at Buffalo, a team they lost to 35 to nothing the last time that they played. Deshaun Watson's not going to come riding over this hill and save their season. Plus the fact that Deshaun Watson gets traded, he's going to then be any team that wants to put him on the field will feel the wrath of Park Avenue, you know, the NFL offices in Park Avenue. He will be either exempted or suspended, but he's not playing this year. Yeah, you don't get a judge in a robe as a throw-in on a, on a trade deal as much as Stephen Ross might like that to come. It's just not the way it works. Armando Salguero, the great uh, NFL writer for OutKick at the Arizona um, Packers game tonight. Read him. Uh, late tonight, early tomorrow morning for an account of what's sure to be a good game. Appreciate you, brother. Good stuff. We always enjoy your energy and your information. Appreciate you, Paul. Outkick 360, you know, I've been uh, doing some untraditional, non-traditional the nighttime reading with my son. It's a little bit of a self-examination. My version of uh, do as I say, not as I do. I'm going to share a little bit about that when we get back. And a bit about um, an NFL writer who uh, has changed sides and is once again allowed to say mean stuff about NFL ownership. Stick with us. So... Welcome back to Outkick 360. Hutton and Withrow have left me high and dry. Paul Kuharski here from 6th and Peabody. Old Smoky Moonshine is distilled here. Yeehaw Beer is brewed here. It's a great spot to hang out, watch a game, meet some friends, have some food, drink up. The Titans Mural is right over there. If you don't understand what 6th and Peabody means, Music City Center, the convention center is right over there. Come check it out. You won't be disappointed. We love it here in our little corner of the universe, in their big universe, which takes up an entire city block here. Come check it out. Coming up, Blake Bettingfield, who scouted for the Titans for 19 years, writes at a little site you might have heard of, paulkuharski.com. We're going to cover the Titans inside and out and scout the SEC a little bit. Um, in the meantime, a couple things on my mind, starting with Mike Silver, who uh, became known nationwide at Sports Illustrated, where he did excellent work. Then he was with Yahoo Sports. And for the last eight years, he's been at NFL Network slash NFL.com. He somewhat abruptly announced the other day that he was no longer with NFL Network. This is funny to me because he was recently tweeting about how he'd like to go back to doing his owner rankings. When he was at Yahoo, a couple years running, he did NFL owner rankings. And he was pretty harsh about NFL owners, as we all would be if we were taking on a project like this, about the hypocrisy of some of these people and the choices that they make and how they're incredibly rich when they make some incredibly foolish decisions. And I thought to myself, Michael Silver writing for NFL.com and sitting in on NFL network broadcasts all the time can't possibly, with these people as his bosses, do NFL owner rankings. And then the other day, he tweeted out that he's no longer with NFL network. And about 20 minutes later, 
for Bally's.com, these Bally's network is now the, the old regional sports networks that has a lot of baseball broadcasts, broke a story that Bob McNair, the owner of uh, the Houston Texans, said something stupid at uh, the team's golf tournament over the summer, I guess, or in the spring. So he left NFL Network and uh, within 15 or 20 minutes broke a story about one of the owners doing something stupid, something I guess very strongly he would not have been allowed to have written for NFL.com. So he changed sides and immediately started bashing. He is one of the chief potential bashers, well-sourced, of NFL owners who have probably gotten a big break from him over the last eight years as they wrote his check. Something for us to monitor what he does with that going forward. No good transition here to the other thing I wanted to talk about in this short segment. I am a very flawed guy, and I am a parent to a 12-year-old, and I want my 12-year-old to know that I'm flawed, and I can't, I know the do as I say, not as I do thing is very ineffective. Very, very ineffective. So I want to find ways to show him that I know I'm flawed because I know I'm incapable of changing the flawed behavior that he sees on a daily basis. So um, I've read this book a couple times before. It's called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. What's the subtitle there? Simple Ways to Keep the Little Things from Taking Over Your Life. I've failed at uh, keeping these little things from taking over my life, but it's a very helpful book. Initially published in 1997, I believe, um, at which point I would have been in my late 20s. I probably picked it up in my early 30s. First time I read it, I've read it maybe twice. Small chapters, little tidbits. You know, you read one a day, maybe make a note about it. It's very helpful. And so I wanted to reread it recently, and I started to do so, and I said, Simon, let's read a chapter of this before bed once in a while. And he was initially reluctant, but then we started doing it, and he likes it, and now he requests these things. But David Reed, I've hit a tough stretch. I've hit a really tough stretch. Listen to these chapter titles. Chapter 11. Imagine that everyone is enlightened except you. <laughs> Paul, who believes he is the only enlightened one in the room. Chapter 12. Keep, go- keep going. Chapter 12. Let others be right most of the time. <laughs> now, even Simon, when I read some of these chapter titles, he goes, uh-oh, this one's going to be tough for me, he says. And I say, tough for you? Imagine what this is going to be like for me. So um, we've had very good discussions about these, these chapters. I'm encouraged that he wants to read them. I really emphasize how, like, this is something dad really struggles with. And you and I, we can both work on these things, you know, separately and together. I hope it qualifies as good parenting. But you knowing me and knowing how he watches me, do you think that he's thinking in the back of his head like, you are so full of crap? Yes, I I 100% believe that because he's going to pick up more from your actions than what you're actually telling him. And also, you've also told us and him and everyone else listening that, You've read this book twice for the past 25 years, and you've basically taken nothing from it. 
So you're taking the approach, do as I say, not as I do. You're, well, you you've, you've, read, you've by read example. a biblical passage, you fall from it, you return, you try again, right? You try well, I, harder I, I, the next time. I, un- I understand that, but I don't think you're trying at all. That's the thing about it. The man who do yells, not, don't block the box every day is, is not. Well, is I, still don't block, sweaty, I don't block the box. But you're still I, sweating the small stuff after all these years. I think it's good for him that he knows that despite the fact that I do these things, I'm reading and hearing these messages and trying to be conscious of them, despite the fact that my behavior doesn't necessarily change. No, that's very admirable. And I've said many times, the, Paul the parent is so incongruent with the Paul that we see and, and know on a daily basis. Yeah. I can't. I have such a hard time fathoming you and Simon sitting down me, and reading a book like this. Let me tell every you night. a secret. They both suck. Paul the guy, <laughs> Paul the parent. I'm glad. Chapter you said. thirteen coming up. Self-aware, if nothing else. Chapter thirteen coming up. Become more patient. I'm doomed. <laughs> Disaster. Blake Bettingfield, former Titan Scout, coming up next. Everything you could want, Titans, right here.